Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Like a Street Photography Collective. I'm Ricky, and today's guest is Mike Hines. So thank you once again for taking the time out, being a guest on the show, giving the listeners something to listen to. So please introduce yourself, where you're at, where you live, what you do, where you're from, anything you'd like the world to know. Uh, I'm Mike Hines. Uh, I'm from Sydney, Australia, in the, the northwest of uh, Sydney, in the Hills District. Uh, I'm a personal trainer, and I've been doing photography for probably about a year or so now. Okay, so you're fairly new. You just you legit just started photography. That's correct. So I um, I got my first camera in uh, 2020. And then um, didn't really have much to shoot because the area I'm from, there was quite a lot of lockdowns. And uh, it was actually a bit of a struggle to leave your house most days because we were really locked down. Mm-hmm. So I didn't touch it for about a year. And then I took it up again in 20, probably tail end of 2021, started 22. And um, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> All right. Well, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, normally I like to ask people when they first started what kind of photos they were making. So, uh, here we are, you're just starting off, uh, sounded like you started because of COVID and the the pandemic, the lockdown and all that other stuff. Uh, but what inspired you to become a photographer? Uh, it's funny. It actually kind of happened almost by accident because I actually bought the camera to do video work for my business. And not long after I got my camera, uh, like my, my business temporarily closed down. So my wife was pregnant at the time and, um, we went out for a walk one day and I just decided to take the camera with me so I could practice. And I decided to get some um, shots of her and we were in like a forest. So I took some photos of the forest and um, it's funny, I fell in love with it that day. And even to this day, I actually haven't even touched it to film me. So everything's been photos since. Nice. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, I know a couple of people who like to do both videography and photography. It's uh, kind of... Well, obviously they're way different, but concepts, visions, ideas, they're pretty much similar. And telling a story in video, it's kind of more challenging, I guess. I don't know. I don't do video, uh, but just by listening to all my videographer friends, there's a lot that goes into it. And the same for photography. A lot has to go into if you're planning to go out shooting um, portraits, studios, anything along those lines. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Uh, just kind of curious why you didn't go the video route. Like you said, you just fell in love with the stills. Um, it's actually kind of funny. I guess it just never really, uh, once my business opened up again, I guess it never really, um, 
I never really thought about doing it. So I, I did take my equipment into work one day and I tried to do some stuff then, but I just found it a bit too much of a hassle. So um, I guess I never really tried again after that. I really should get around to doing it though. Ah, no worries. Uh, well, if you do get into it, that'd be interesting. I'd like to see some of your videos you make. Uh, but if you don't mind, what is your business that you do? And why did it close? Well, close down because of COVID, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure that had an impact. But yeah, what what business do you have? If you don't mind asking. Yes. No, definitely. So um, I'm a personal trainer. I've been in the industry since um, the end of 2019. Uh, and I, I was going to use the camera, um, actually, funnily enough, to go around and do exercise tutorials for people. Okay, there we go. That is something. That is probably why you needed a video camera to do that. Uh, I don't know. Personal trainer, I was going to ask, are you like, just completely, I have to apologize. I lost my thought. It happens often, but... uh, I don't know. This I was gonna ask. This one's a, a, it's gonna be a, a fun, challenging podcast. You're gonna really make me think on these because a lot of times I ask people how the COVID pandemic affected their photography, but for you, it helped you start photography. So uh, you were walking with your family. You started to take stills. Uh, what kind of drove you into street photography? Because uh, the conversations we had on Instagram, you said uh, the podcast has inspired you to start taking photos and doing more in the streets. Uh, how did you come about street photography? I guess, uh, I've, so I've, even years and years and years before I got a camera, I've always been really fascinated with photography. And I guess street photography is the type that has always fascinated me most. Okay. So all I mean, like all of my favorite photographers do that style. Whether it's a a planned thing like Estevan Oriel, where he's actually possibly telling people how to stand, or if it's just you know um, graffiti or just uh, someone in the street or something like that, it's they always seem those photos always seem to tell the most stories to me, and so they've always intrigued me the most. Okay. What kind of stories do you look for for in street photography? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, I guess I want to be able to if it's if we're talking about me and where I would ultimately like to go and what sort of photos I like looking at at the moment. I look. I like. I want to know, uh, I want to feel like there's a purpose to the photo and it's not necessarily just someone, say, walking across the street, whether it's, uh, you know, some sort of interesting clothing they have on or if they're doing something interesting. I want to, I, I enjoy those things where there's something happening in the photo. And as I'm sure everyone cites, people like Henry Cartier Bresson there was always something going on in the photo. And even the simple photos, you could tell there was something going on there and for more than just that split second that it took to take that photo. The decisive moment. 
And I only say that. Yeah, I only say that because Henry Cartier Brisson obviously coined the term, but that was uh, the reason he coined it. Uh, If you listen, I've watched a few of his like uh, interviews on YouTube, and you can when when you hear him speaking, you can kind of start to allude why he, you know, came up with that term, the decisive moment. Uh, very inspirational. I think if you listen, if anyone listens to him speak, it will kind of slow you down and make you really look through your viewfinder to find the moment at the right time. It's very challenging because it, like he said, it happens in a split second, and in the right moment, you don't want to miss it by either pushing the shutter on a digital or hitting the film advance on a on a film camera. So. Gotta be very precise with this moment, um, and I like how you said you don't like just seeing like the photos of people just walking in crosswalks with some very unusual clothes and something different that sticks out. Uh, I kind of started taking less of those photos. Been doing a lot more, um, I guess, doing one-on-one learnings with really really good photographer friends and. Is teaching me kind of like to distance myself from that style of photography, and it works. So, uh, who is the best storyteller for you, photo wise? I would have to say that it would be a guy from Virginia called um, Randy Blight. Okay. Uh, a lot of people would probably know him from the band Lamb of God, but if you go onto his Instagram, his Instagram is pretty much exclusively his photography, and he gets this really awesome spectrum between um, architecture, interesting people on the street, and then because he's also in a, a big band that does a lot of big touring, he gets these really cool like festival and show shots also. Mm-hmm. But there's just some every time I look at one of his photos. That's like going back to what I said before, where I want to feel like or see there's like a story happening there. I don't think anyone takes photos that make me feel that way as much as Randy does. Okay. But I mean, even um, actually, I'll tell you who else is really awesome, and I actually got him from your podcast is Don Stevie. Oh, yes. The stories that he can tell in such simple photos. Um, shout out to Don Stevie because his stuff is incredible. Shout out to Don Stevie. And you got a new fan all the way in Australia. Uh, I got to reach out to him. I haven't spoke to him in a while. Uh, probably got to get him on a, a podcast again. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> uh, I definitely will. Uh, uh, if you can send a message. He's real friendly. He'll respond. He's he's awesome like that. So, uh, yeah, contact them through Instagram and uh, introduce yourself. Be be a yeah, I'll do that. conversation for you too. Uh, so, I want to know what are some challenges you face now going through your beginning phases of photography. I think one of the ones. Actually, I was having a conversation with my wife about this the other day because I was in um, I was in the city a couple of days ago trying to shoot, and I think 
One of the challenges at the moment, I think, is mobile phones because, mm-hmm. and I think you actually mentioned this on a previous podcast, I don't want to take a photo of someone looking down at their phone. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, some don't like me. In terms of actual like shooting, that definitely be an issue. But um, I think also just just trying to learn art and make sure that I'm not over or underexposed in something, make sure something that is looking good when I'm taking it and really trying to set the shot up. Everybody, sorry about that. We had some really bad technical difficulties, but we made it and we're back. So sorry to cut you off, but you left off where you were saying you don't like taking pictures of people on their cell phones. So if you can, please go on. Yes, yeah, so, um, don't like taking photos of uh, don't like taking photos of people on their cell phones. So I, I guess the hard thing sometimes is being in an area where people are only on their cell phones. Mm-hmm. So trying to find something interesting that not just people staring down like that can be, I have found so far to be a bit of a challenge. Um, beyond that, yeah, just still getting used to the equipment and understanding how to shoot in manual mode. Um, yeah, so sometimes I'll just pick like one setting mm-hmm. and like if, if I don't feel like trying to work out the whole uh, exposure thing. I'll just pick one setting and I'll go, this is what it's going to be locked in. Try and make it work. And so that's been really interesting to like learn, okay, this, this is what I'm going to be in like an hour. What conditions can I use this in? And trying to find that out. That's been really fun. Okay. Uh, I will say it has to be a challenge if everyone in your area is on their phone, but that's worldwide now. Everyone you you look over and you just see everybody just face planted in, in the cell phone. So that's it's kind of the new norm now, right? Uh, I guess technologies that's where we're at now. But finding those moments challenging but rewarding. So I do commend you for you know not trying to take the same picture everybody's in a dark lit area and the the cell phone screens lighting up the face and that's all you can see. Uh, it's cool to take just for practice and just to say you did it every now and then. Um, but at least you realize you don't, that's not what you want to take. Or if that is, then, you know, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the settings now, that's another... Uh, challenge in itself that's going to take you a while to get used to so i I, only thing i can say there is just keep practicing uh you you'll you'll learn it and then it's going to just become muscle memory where you'll you'll know your shutter speed is going to affect your or your iso is going to affect your shutter speed your aperture and so on and so forth um I like that you said you're trying to get used to manual most people stick to aperture priority when they begin just to kind of see, uh, you know, how the focusing works. I know when I first started, I was in full auto, uh, full auto the little green auto. I wasn't in program. And that was because I didn't know how to use my cam- camera properly. And the photographer I started working with a long, long, long time ago, 
Uh, he's like, shoot manual only for a year. I didn't make it the year because I I love shooting so much. I was shooting every day, and uh, I guess it's just practice. The more you do it, the easier it gets. But that's some advice I would give you. Uh, shoot manual for a year or just until however long you get. Uh, and the more you do it, like I said, you're gonna you're gonna know what settings you like the most. So for the f8 large depth of field to the the shallower ones and nice bouquets, all that other stuff. But that's pro- I'm pretty sure that's all the stuff everybody knows about. So, um, yeah, just keep practicing. You'll you'll get it. And I say it's fun practicing, so I'm more than happy to do it. There we go. So, other than I guess that yeah. What are the moments you look for specifically? I guess going back to what I, I um, said before, something that I feel like tells a story mm-hmm. or makes me do a double take. Yeah. Um, I was in the city uh, yesterday, uh, sorry, uh, two days ago, and there was a businessman who um, obviously he must have worked all night because his suit was uh, wasn't looking too good he was outside he was asleep on a park bench you could tell he had a big um, obviously a big night and a big day and I just walked past him and it really is one of those things where it's like uh, if it makes me do a double take and I don't always know why that is but there's mm-hmm. just something that catches your eye that's what I then want to try and get down on a photo Okay. So double takes, uh, you know, for me, a lot of times the moments that I look for, I don't get a second chance. So I I know what you mean. I wish from, from my, from my personal experience, I was like, shit, I wish that happened again. And a lot of it comes from knowing what I want to take, but not being ready to take it. So like you said, you know the kind of stories you want to tell, and I know the kind of stories I want to tell. And a lot of times they just happen so fast that I don't get that opportunity. I know exactly what you mean. I actually, I, I actually missed the photo that would have been amazing because my um, we were getting ready to go to lunch. I put my camera in my uh, camera bag, and not 45 seconds later, something amazing happened, and I'm like, damn it. If I just waited just that tiny bit longer, mm-hmm. the one that got away. Yep. Uh, everybody has a moment that got away. I, I'll remember one specific one. The moment probably sucked and the image probably would have been even worse, but it looked cool in my mind and I really wanted to get it. I was in London and I was walking down Oxford Street and I had just bought the Fujifilm xh1 and i i liked it because of the size it was nice it was perfect the grip was probably uh the thing i liked most about it at the time this is at the time but they had this weird button kind of close to where the hand grip is and i don't know how but it was just one of the default settings it it locked into uh multiple exposure mode 
So as I was walking, I pushed the button accidentally and I didn't know it. And I saw the moment I wanted. And it was a woman in the middle of this busy street. And I kind of wanted to play with motion blurs with a subject that's stationary. And I got to the point where I, I wanted to compose my image. And I had my settings. And I took the picture. But it wouldn't capture on, on the image because of the multiple exposure. You have to... I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Fujifilm cameras? Um... I've actually been looking into them recently, so it's stored. Okay. Well, the multiple exposure mode on Fujifilm cameras, you have you you'll hit the shutter, and then it'll show you um, a sample, and you have to push OK to accept the sample to take the second one. So I took the image and I liked it, but I didn't know what I was what was going on. I was like, "What? Why is my my camera? It's it's frozen. It wasn't. It was." stuck on the multiple exposure mode and I'm trying to get out of the screen and, and the, the image and I finally realized I have to push okay so I pushed okay to try to keep it but now I have to take the second image and by the time I looked up the whole moment was gone and that I I don't know I from that day forward I kind of made sure I went through all the menus and turned off easy access to multiple exposure mode it just takes that one time and you know Technology kills us all sometimes. So that was my one moment oh. that got away. Oh, you, you would have been so so frustrated. <laughs> I was I was I'm not gonna lie. I have a short uh uh what's the word I'm looking for? I get annoyed from electronics really easy. And one time oh, one time I threw my cell phone out my car window, I was driving down the road. But that's a different story for another time. Uh, I was about to throw my my camera at the wall, but I, I realized what I was about to do, and I was like, "One photo is not worth me losing, a, you know, all these thousands of dollars." So uh, it took a little bit of cooling off, and yeah, I just I don't know what it is. Just electronics piss me off really easily, uh, and that's kind of something I like about the light because I don't have all that shit where it's gonna freeze on me to take a picture it's just gonna take the picture um but how when you're out there and and you you want to find your story how do you block the distractions around you especially i i asked this because you know you're you're new fairly starting off you say and it's so easily to be distracted looking for you know a specific subject a story uh and you know how do you just zone in to find the story you want? Um, I guess that for me, what works best for me is, yeah, uh, trying to get rid of all the distractions. So um, no music for me. Phone is either off or in flight mode, so I can't be disturbed. And really just sort of just being there and looking and just being open to something happening. And, you know, it, it doesn't happen every single day that I'm out there, but um, really going like, this, this is what I need to do. So I'm not worried about, you know, that car over there. I'm not worried about checking my phone. I'm not worried about any of that stuff. Really just trying to be in that moment at that time and 
being open to what's around me. And um, it does sort of become, I guess, a bit sort of meditative uh, in, in a sense that you really are in that moment and you're there to do kind of a job. Mm-hmm. Okay. So have you found your comfort zone yet? In some ways, yes. Um, I guess it depends what I'm shooting because I think I have a bit bit of a um, mix at the moment between people and then things. Mm-hmm. So things, I know exactly what I like. Um, I like, I guess, like really sort of grimy industrial sort of stuff, stuff that looks old and looks like it has a story to it. Um so I know what I I know what my comfort zone is there, and I know what I'm about with that. Uh, in terms of shooting people, I think I'm still trying to find it. Okay, uh, I'm not as comfortable with, uh, with that. So I do sometimes try to focus on. Okay, today I'll probably mainly try and do people if something interesting happens. Uh, so yeah, I'd say probably not for people, but yes, for things. Okay. Are you still kind of, uh, I don't want to say scared. That's the wrong word. Um, do you try to avoid a conflict from taking photos of people? I know that's the biggest challenge. A lot of people have is that fear of conflict when, when they're new to photography, street photography, going out and taking pictures of people close. You know, people will kind of be that sniper photographer across the street, in the building, far away, at a distance. You see a good story, but it's so far away, it's not a good photo. Does it make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of conflict with people, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not afraid of that. Um, it's because you're a personal trainer. You just fucking punch them in the face, right? I just yell at them to get down and do some burpees, and then I run off. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Had a burpees that kill anybody? (laughs) A hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not afraid of the people in that respect. Um, I am trying to find my way in making sure that I am the most. uh, respectful if I am trying to take photos of people. Mm-hmm. So uh, there has been quite a few situations where I haven't been able to get up that close to the person because by the time I've gotten over there, it's like what I wanted is actually finished. Yeah. Um, but no, it, I, I, I'm not uncomfortable with any confrontation that might happen, but it's always in the forefront of my mind. If there's a photo there, how can I take it in a way that is respectful so um, I'm not putting that person in a position where, for whatever reason, they get really angry that I've taken their photo if they see me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all of that, how do you get your photos to be better than they were yesterday? Right. That's the goal, right? I, I want to be a better photographer today than I was yesterday. You know your story. Yeah. You're starting to develop your comfort zone. 
You know what you want to do. You know where you want to get. You blocked all your distractions. How are you teaching yourself to make better photos? For me, it would be a combination of... um, So I'll come home. Let's say I have, I don't know, 100 photos on my camera. Mm -hmm. I put them all on my computer. See, is there anything that I want to do with any of them? If there is, there's a, there might be a couple. I might edit them, see how I go with that. And then I look at it, and it's, I guess it's a combination for me of I then look at the photo, and I kind of sit down with it for a couple of minutes and look at everything before I've edited it and then after I've edited it. And um, I guess I go through a bit of a checklist in my mind of could I have gotten – could the angle have been better Could I've been closer or would further away have been so, like, really breaking down the photo and trying to figure out is this good or is this bad? And then if I could go back to that exact moment again, what would I do and would that produce a better result? And I guess also looking at um, more famous people's work too, uh, I'll, sometimes I'll try and find something that's sort of similar. Like, if I've taken a photo of a boat, I might see someone's taken a photo of a boat. And I'll go, okay, well, how did they go about it? And kind of compare my photo to theirs and, and see, okay, well, that angle looks really amazing in this photo. So if I'm ever in this position again, yeah. why don't I try it from this angle as opposed to, say, looking down like I might have done? Yeah. So that's that's good. I, I like how you said that. I tried – this is just me personally. I tried to typically avoid trying to mimic – other people's photos out and I'm not saying that's what you're doing uh again this is just me because I've I've fallen you know you know it's just psychological fall into these traps very easily where you see a photo that looks nice on on social media outlets and you're like oh I want to try to take that photo and then that's all you're thinking on it's all you're trying to do you're trying to create and then you start falling into those trends uh again I'm not labeling you this is something that i've i've done in the past and try to avoid now but that's a it's a good way i like you know i'm glad you said that if you know you look at these kind of for uh direction i know what you mean though like it, it is a very thin line between going okay how have they done that and then what makes that photo look so cool and then kind of, I guess, going, okay, well, they took it They took it looking from bottom left up. So next mm-hmm. time I do something, I'll do bottom left up. Oh, they took a darker photo, so I'll take a darker photo. So it definitely is a very, um, a very thin line between understanding what makes that photo good. And then, yeah, like you said, like either intentionally or unintentionally, uh, like not ripping them off, but copying them. Yeah. Have you, have you picked that one or... Sorry. Have you found that one photographer where you love all their work and then you try to have all their images, your images resemble that one? If you haven't had that moment, you'll probably, you'll get it one day. Guarantee you it happens to everyone at least once. In terms of actually physically getting there, no. But there's definitely those artists like... um, like going back to when I was talking about um, Randy Bly, if you look at his photos, a lot of them are on the darker side. Mm-hmm. And 
it does always play in the back of my mind. I'm like, I'd love to play with more dark rather than like the amount of light that I must set the um, the ISO to or, you know, however I happen to do it. So there's people that like, I'm like, I'd love to try that style, but mm-hmm. uh, I haven't actually gotten there yet in my work. Okay. That's interesting. And then, but then like, I, I then have to ask myself, I go, okay, cool, but why do I want to do it like that? Yeah. I don't just want to do it like that because they do it like that. So why do you want to do it like that? I like the effects that it produces. Okay. Um, it's like if, if they're in a very dark space that there's say like a window at the end of the photo and there's like some nice sun coming in. I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of, uh, how do I put this? Texture in photos. Mm-hmm. But I'm a really big fan of um, like black and white and all the shades of the black and white and the gray that you get in those photos and how they wind up looking. Mm-hmm. What are, there's a really cool feel to those. What are some of your uh, favorite subjects, textures that when you see, you instantly want to take a photograph? Like for me. I don't know what it is, and I'm sure a lot of people was the same. Umbrellas. I also like rust. I don't know why. I love yeah. the way rust, the the texture it produces, uh, and it's kind of it's just intriguing because the rust itself is a story. You know, whether yeah, hundred percent long, out there, it's life. So, what are your Topic, subjects, textures that are instant. I'm oh, I seen this. Oh, there it is. I'm gonna take a photo of this. Old uh, old brick walls. Okay. Especially when some of the bricks are, are starting to get chipped in the corners. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cement and rendered walls that look really like that they need to be replaced. So old cement and rendered walls. Uh, I think in the right light produce some amazing textures. Um, I think gravel roads are really cool too. Mm-hmm. Um, thinner chain link uh, fences. Okay. So a, a lot of, I guess, very industrial and factory settings. Gotcha. Uh, and um, uh, like building scaffolding, I think is amazing. See, everybody's different. I've never thought of scaffolding. I see it frequently, and it's interesting to catch when the people are, uh, I guess, dismantling it. And I've got a few shots of those. It's cool to see the people sliding down the the rails and the the, the little um, the planks. Um, yeah. That's the first time I've heard scaffolding. Uh, I want to say, because I know you say you live in Sydney, and uh, my friend Ben and Knox Birdie are out there. Uh, but I was a lot of the questions I was asking you was leading up to uh, school. Are you planning on taking school? Have you ever taken photography school before? Uh, if not, do you plan to? I would like to. I definitely like to. Um, at the moment, I'm at. Uh, blogs, YouTube videos, um, books, things of that nature. Um, 
and I, I'm a real big fan of, you know, you read. Sorry, technical difficulties once again, uh, but please continue. I'm a fan of, uh, of blogs, YouTube, video, books. I'm a real fan of kind of taking it at a slow pace, learning a tiny bit at a time, and then taking that information and going out and seeing how I can use that and seeing how that affects things. In terms of some sort of physical education, I would love to do something maybe in a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, not on. It's not on the... It's not on the horizon at the moment, but it is something I'd definitely love to do. Okay. Just to fill in those gaps of things that I haven't learned. Got you. So this is a piece of advice that I would give to any photographer now. And instead of using that money to go buy the new latest and greatest camera, take a workshop. There's a lot of photographers out there, amazing, amazing teachers mentors, whatever it may be, people can't justify the cost of paying an expert professional photographer to teach them better skills, but they'll come up with a justification to buy gear that they typically don't need. So, uh, I mean, a camera is a camera. Any any person is going to tell you that. Uh, whatever camera you're using now is going to be just as good as the camera you buy tomorrow. And what I mean by that is, if you're not a good photographer with the camera you got now, you're not going to be a good photographer with the camera you buy tomorrow. I'm not talking about you. It's just an example. So uh, for me, I've actually stopped buying so much camera gear, and now I'm starting to invest in the education portions. And I've actually been learning a lot more working with studying under other photographers than I would just practicing every day. Now practicing every day is going to teach you the technical aspects, but knowledge and ideas you'll never learn by practicing unless you're thinking about that. Does it make sense? A hundred percent. Okay. And especially when the teacher is in that world, yeah. So I'm, I'm not in that world. I'm a guy that likes to take photographs, mm-hmm. but I'm a personal trainer. Yeah, And so, yeah, going out and shooting every day, I'm only going to get so far. But no, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, most people, the first thing they'll do is they'll buy the camera body and then they're going to buy the $3,000 lens with the F1.4 bokeh. You know, it's super nice. Yeah. Okay. That's great. You can do that. Uh, but again, the only thing you're missing out is a few stops of light for a blurry background. You can get there eventually, but I, I like I said, the ideas, the knowledge behind it, it's going to put you on the right track to where you, and I say you, I'm talking about photographers in general now at this point. It's going to put you where you want to be. So I'm starting to recommend school mentorships to people now when they ask me a lot of questions. So, um, yeah. Uh, nope. I was going to say, you. Were, someone was asking me about buying the M10. That was somebody else. Um, yeah. So back to photography. I'm sorry. I go off on tangents all the time. Um, when you're out shooting, you got your likes. You took your automatic photos that you love to take when you see those brick walls. And now you're just, you're there. 
you're 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 seeing everything. You're you're connected with the streets. How do you know you're in the zone? I guess because I'm not really thinking about anything other than uh, photography. Any problems I might have, or any work stuff I might have, or you know anything else that might be going on in my life, just kind of isn't really there. Okay. And I'm all I'm thinking about is like being observant to what might be there, um, making sure I'm ready if something does happen, and I'm just that's all I'm thinking about. Okay. So how do you find the next photo? A lot of what I take has has forced me to do a bit of a double take. Okay. So if it's just something that happens to catch my eye, even if I can't explain what it is about that thing that has caught my eye, if I'm walking, the, if I'm like going down the street and I and I look again, then I just figure there's something there. There must be some sort of magic there, and um, yeah. Okay. So do you I'm think of, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just, uh, it's funny. I, um, I had a feeling something like that might be the, uh, might be one of the questions. And I've actually been thinking about this for a couple of weeks and, um, no, it really just is a case of, uh, for the most part, if, if there's something there that just catches my eye, um, I do my best to try and, um, uh, take a photo of it. Mm-hmm. Is there any moment where you took a photo that you wish you could take a second chance at, but shoot it differently? Probably all of them, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I think it's. I think um, I, I don't know if anyone's ever really a hundred percent happy with um, something they take. I think mm-hmm. there's probably always that part of your mind that goes. Oh yeah, but if I just did this, or if I just moved a bit further back or forward, or yeah, yeah probably probably most of them. I, I um, think very rarely do I go. No, I'm happy with that. Given my chance again, that's exactly how I would do it. Yeah, I, I would agree. But I, I think it's cool though because it. Oh yeah, sorry. Nope, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say I think it's kind of cool though because it really does get you in that creative zone of. Mm-hmm. Thinking about things often, you go, okay, I have this one thing. How might it have been affected if I do this? And I think um, I think that makes me more engaged with setting up a shot in the future. Okay. Oh, I had I lost my other thought. I'll get, it'll come back. Sorry to about me. that. No, no, no. It'll, it'll come back to me later. But uh, you mentioned creative zone. Oh, I remember. I said I was going to agree when you were saying like people, they love their photos. We create this emotional connection with our photos. And regardless if it's a good photo or if it's a bad photo, if you like it, you're going to just love it. And you think it's going to be a a, a great photo. Uh, I don't even know why that came up, but you said something and I just remembered emotional connection and ah, so that that was the reason why. You know, like I've been trying to come up with a lot of sequencing because I'm trying to work on a project, a long term project, and I'm trying to get all of my photos together. And there's just so many photos I like, but 
some of them aren't, they don't need to be there. But I have this emotional connection to them. So I put them there anyways. And like the more I look at them, it's so hard, but you have to cut them out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that, that emotional connection with photos is, is pretty bad. It's, it's a killer. I know exactly what you mean by that too. Like I've got, I've got photos that um, I certainly like never use them for anything. I won't put them up on like my, so my, my main form of um, I guess showcasing for lack of a better term is on Instagram, but mm-hmm. there's certain things that I will never let get to Instagram. And because they're, they're technically a pretty average photo at best, but it actually reminds me of the good day that I was having the day that it got shot. Yeah. So I, I've got one or two photos that are pretty, you know, pretty nothing because I was really, it might've been the first day that I'd gone out and shot and I was with my wife and um, we went for like a nice walk. And so I, I know exactly what you mean. Like I look at that photo and it makes me remember that day, even though it's not a great photo. Yeah. Well, so I was, I was having a conversation with somebody and, and they asked me about my photos and, and I told them like, I love all the photos I take. They may not be good, but I took them for a reason. And that's, mm, yeah. Uh, so for me, like I've, I've been shooting for so long. Now I know what photos I'm going to like, what photos I want to take and what photos I don't want to take. And the ones I don't want to take, obviously, I don't want to take for a reason. So when I do take a photo, is because I wanted to take it, so I know I'm going to like it. Now, is it a great mm. photo, a magnum photo, one of those hanging a, a MoMA kind of photo? Probably not. But it was there, and it was good enough for me to like it. So that's why I took it. Yeah, exactly. There, there was a reason that you did it. And they don't all have to be good. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's just documenting, right? That's why we're given the tools to do it. We have to. That's exactly it. You're documenting, you're practicing. There was something in that second that made you take it. Yeah. We had to prove that the moment happened. Uh, exactly. You, you've mentioned, I love that. you mentioned creative zone. Uh, take us through your creativity you know, what's, how do you see the streets compared? Well, I mean, obviously we see differently, but your, your creativeness, take us through a walk through your creativity, how you try to incorporate different aspects of a scene as far as composition, angles, because you mentioned angles multiple times. How do you incorporate different elements to be, achieve a more creative look? Um, I, I think there is a lot to be said for not always going straight on to, uh, with the subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I had a, I have a photo that I'm sort of working on at the moment and I'm not a hundred percent sure if I'm going to re- um, do anything with it or not. But I have a person in front of a building, and the person in front of the building, uh, in in front of this particular building, straight on, boring shot. But 
when I took it kind of side on so you could see the roof of this building and stuff, I like incorporating angles, things that bring more depth into the photo. So um, sometimes it, it, if, if I'm wanting to do buildings, sometimes depending on like what the building is or how large it is, I'll just walk around that, that block of land for like five, ten minutes just seeing what I can see with my eye. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess sometimes there is a, an element of really spending my time um, setting something up. Okay. And then sometimes, yeah, obviously like with everyone, sometimes things just happen and you just go bang. And sometimes that even just works out being amazing right then and there. Perfect. Okay. So at an early stage of learning photography, you know, it could be very easily to be unmotivated if you're comparing your works to pro photographers like a Seb- Sebastian Segato or, or whoever it may be that, you know, you find very interesting. Like a lot of people think they're going to pick up a camera today and they're going to be taking these amazing photographs, the first five shots. Not likely the case. So how do you keep that motivation to be to continue becoming better and to continue to uh, perfect your creativity? How do you stay motivated at such an early stage in your photography journey? Uh, From day one, I've never tried to consciously or subconsciously compare myself to those people. Mm -hmm. My main focus, or I guess my main two focuses are when I go out, am I having fun doing it? And then every day that I go out or whenever I go out, is the photos that I'm bringing back that night, do I feel like they're better or starting to get better from mm-hmm. the photos from before? Yeah. So, and, um, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, just like with anything else, you're certainly not going to um, get these amazing results overnight. So practice, practice, practice and find your own style and over a period of time when you look at your first photos to the photos you're taking today to the ones in five months' time and stuff, do they start to look better in your mind? Mm-hmm. So in your mind, where was uh, your, like, I can see where, like for me, I can look at a photo I took from my the day one, I I probably still have it, and I could look at a photo I took a year ago, and I could see a photo that I took today. How do you know your photos are becoming better to yourself? Like obviously, you're your own judge; only you can gauge this. But how do you know you're on the right track to where you want to be? Well, that, that that's the funny thing it is. Uh, Sometimes I'm 100 percent sure that I do know, but um, I, I, I guess when I when I look at a photo, I guess in my mind it's like, how much would I edit it? Mm-hmm. How happy am I with what's going on in the photo by itself? Um, does it does it look like it's trying to convey a story, or is it just? I, I, I guess I more have. Um, 
parameters that I don't want to reach mm-hmm. as opposed to things that I do want to reach. So I don't want it to feel like – I don't ever want to look at one of my photos and personally feel like it's some sort of artsy mm-hmm. – um, you know, what's he trying to say in this, in like one of those real sort of artsy – oh, look at me, I've taken a photo of a chair or something. I want it to genuinely be interesting and genuinely look um, like there's something there and it wasn't just taken for the sake of, oh, it's casting cool shadow, which is still sometimes cool, but I guess I don't want to feel like I'm real sort of artsy about it when I'm doing it. Okay. Well, I I would say there's nothing wrong with being artsy if that's the image that you Oh, no, definitely not. If if, if that's the image that you want to make at that particular moment so it's okay and it's acceptable to do it i've no of i can't say i know personally but i know a lot of photographers who get very creative and artsy with their photos um creativity that's the whole purpose right you, you gotta to find out that. that oh definitely right and and there's nothing wrong with um mm-hmm. with any of that sort of stuff that's just not my uh, particular style, but there, there's some people doing some incredible stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. So, uh, I guess now we can get into your social media. So, please plug your Instagram website, any social media that you own and you like the world to know about. Uh, so I'm only on Instagram and it's, uh, shot by underscore Heinze, H-Y-N-E-S-Y. Mm-hmm. Okay. Heinze. I'm not going to lie. Uh, very, very new. I think I, sorry. No, I was going to say, when I first saw your name, I don't know, you know, like, you know, people's brains, they automatically rearrange words to see what they want to see. And I thought yeah. your name was shot by Hennessy, the the alcohol. I'm I'm now suddenly very tempted to change it to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's I trademarked. Love it's trademarked. Yeah, but I'm, I'm unfortunately joking. I'm very generic with my name. I'm one of probably ten thousand shot buys. <laughs> okay, no worries. So uh, going through your Instagram now, you found I found the rust. You got a nice. I thought you liked the rust. Yeah, there's a, a a photo of a. I don't know. Is it cement? Is it a? It, it's a um. It's a fuse box from 1900. Wow. Okay. So, uh, I want to know about this photo. You said it's a fuse box from 1900. I'm actually surprised it's still there. So tell us about this. And obviously, I, I already said I love rust. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm that was taken story. in a yeah. So that was taken in a suburb uh, called Waverton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a there's a body of water there in Waverton, and, and there's a um, a historical area of that water that um, when when uh, ships came in and out of our ports and stuff, they would go there and get um, uh, coal. Uh, that they, they would um, it was a coal loading. Uh, and so they've got some of the original buildings there and some stuff. So it was open from, I think, 1900 to, I think, 1992, 1993, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And 
so I'd just gone to lunch with my wife. We then went and had a look around there, and that that, that fuse box just absolutely caught my um, my attention. I loved the rust. How we're talking about, um, you know, rust is kind of the history, and uh, yeah. Okay. So just a, an old historical area, very awesome area. Couple of um, couple of really old buildings there too. Some of my other shots that are either side of that are from the same area. Yeah, I see this. I also see this big ass spider. That's a nope. Uh, a flamethrower. If I don't have a flamethrower, I would say a can of <laughs> hairspray with a lighter. Um, which is kind of ironic because Okinawa has these really big fucking spiders too. They're like bigger than my hand, as you can see compared to my face. They get pretty fucking big, but they just they don't bother uh, you. They're just big in size. The, um, that particular spider, though, those are awesome spiders. So I don't know if you guys over there have um, these spiders called Daddy Longleg. We do. The most poisonous animal oh, okay. on the earth, actually. Did you know that? Yes, but they can't. Um, they can't bite anything. Yeah. The poison is there for if but, um, anything yeah. tries to eat them. Ironic. Yeah. You but they're, they're awesome because they, they deal with um, any flies in your house or whatever. They're, well, yeah. I love them. They're, they're probably like the only spider I can deal with because I'm like, oh, at least I'm not going to have any flies in my house. Yeah, they, that's, they're a uh, natural insect repellent. But, yeah, that's cool. Uh, got some really – I like the textures. You, you do capture textures. Uh, the seagulls got some nice – like I, gravelly cement, the rock. I can tell that's kind of near a, a beach waterfront. Yeah, that was uh, taken at a beach called D Y. Okay. And um, he, he had, uh, that that one seagull had just stolen this um, this family's um, family sized thing of chips, hot chips. Mm-hmm. So I was actually I was trying to get a photo of him actually eating the chips because he uh, like. What he'd do is he kind of moved away with the, the packet and he um, put the packet on the ground and he'd, ha- he'd eat the chips one at a time, but they'd like hang out the end of his mouth like a cigar. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was trying to get a photo of that, but unfortunately I wasn't successful. So when you say the term chips, is it like British chips as in a potato fry? Correct. Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry, fries. No, no fries worries. for all of our uh, Northern Hemisphere listeners. <laughs> for the Americans and the people that call them French fries. Sorry, I got an email. They're French fries, but they're a steak cut. We, we call them like a steak cut or a um, steak fries. Yes, yeah, steak fries. That's okay. it. Now we're uh, talking about food here. Got to stop before I get hungry. Um, so <laughs> take us to a place where you go to focus purely about photography. Where's your happy place? It's, uh, it's funny because we, we've, um, I think while we're trying to work everything out tonight, we're talking about um, technology and stuff and how it's not necessarily a good thing, but um, I'd actually say places like Instagram, um, like the accounts that I follow, Mm-hmm. I, I sit there and I scroll through it and it makes me just want to put my phone down, go out and shoot to one day try and get to that level. Okay. So 
So I, I, I think Instagram is um, is probably my happy place to start look, looking at um, other people's um, photography accounts. All right. Get some uh, inspiration. That's it. Who? Um, I, I've set a limit. I'm like 20 minutes. So I'm not going to waste my day on it. <laughs> Who on Instagram do you think is your biggest inspiration? Like, uh, and again, I'm not saying this to try to duplicate their photos. Uh, what I mean by inspiration is to continue photographing to be at a level where you're happy with, you know. Uh, again, I'm not trying to say you're, 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 you're trying to mimic somebody. I'm just saying... Uh, like, man, every time oh, you see their not, work, not. you're like, man, I'm glad I'm a photographer. One day I'm going to be making photos just as good as these. I, and again, I'm not saying your photos are bad. Just, you know, generally speaking. Oh, no, 100%. No. Uh, probably three come to my mind for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy Bly, because of what he can capture most of the time just on the fly. Like he hasn't spoken to people. He hasn't posed people. Uh, he really is. When I think street photography, he is probably one of the main people I think of in street photography because it really is just he captures that moment and he moves. And I think a lot of times people don't even know that being shot by him. Yeah. Uh, in terms of street photography, but ones that have, I guess, been posed, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. uh, I, I love uh, Estevan Oriel from L.A., the stuff he does there with um, with the graffiti and with like gang members and all of that sort of stuff is a lot of heart and emotion in those photos. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably the last one in terms of their use of colors, uh, I really love Martha Cooper. I don't know if you know who Martha Cooper is. She's um, she's actually got a documentary yeah. on Netflix, but so she does a, she does a lot of. Um, a lot of uh, graffiti, graffiti and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the way she can just sort of, her colors are amazing, but without being overpowering, if that makes sense in a photo, mm-hmm. it's not too much, even though she's photographing something that is very colorful. I have her uh, street art book. It's really amazing. I used to be a graffiti, wa- graffiti writer when I was in high school. Um, for me, it was kind of like, when I became a photographer, I go through these phases where I find something I like and that's all I want to do. And when I was, mm. in, when I was in high school, it was graffiti. I did it every day from when I woke up to when I went to sleep, I had numerous black sketchbooks and I, that's all I would do. It didn't matter. And I just practice. I practice, I practice. And then I went to the next thing. And then I went to the next thing until I found photography. And now uh, there is no next thing. It's just photography. Well, I guess podcasting. Uh, but I didn't give up on photography. So, uh, yeah, I guess there's that. So, If, if you don't mind me asking, um, who's doing it for you at the moment in terms of photography? Ooh. Uh, right now, let's see. Uh, I It's hard it's not hard. I've met so many people from the podcast and then just looking at all their, their photography and their photographs they make. Uh, right now, oof, there's just so many good ones. I really like 
Like Greg Claude. Craig Clark's Street Portraits. He's a uh, okay. uh and for some he's he's a, a great photographer. He does other photos other than street portraits and when he drops those when he when he uploads them on Instagram, it, I'm just always surprised because for me, I know him as a street portrait photographer, but he's also really good at all of the other stuff. He has an eye where when he sees it, he's got it. He has these ideas. He comes up really good. Uh, shout out to you, Craig Clark. And another one is CJ Mendez. He's uh, another. Oh, yeah. I met him here in Okinawa. He's in the Air Force with me as well. Uh, really great friend of mine. And he again, his eye to capture certain moments uh, is very Henry Cartier-Bresson decisive moment for him and his moment. He catches them at the most precise moment that's very difficult uh yeah those those two i would say are 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 one of you know favorites but i i like everybody's work that i i speak to it's really hard to pick but those two stand out the most for me just for their moments that when when they capture they capture them cj takes amazing photos yeah he's awesome we need him to come back so we can get him on the podcast again. He's uh he's on a business trip, so uh, once he gets back, I'm gonna have to harass him to get another episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say is oh, that's kind of a oh man? Sound is so good in my head, but now that I think about it, it's such a hard question to ask because there's really no. No way to answer it, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, but I'm going to try to broaden it to kind of lead it in a direction. So um, let's see. Uh, I got it written down here, but how do I want to pose it? All right. We're just going to use what street photography. What would you say uh, is the purpose of street photography. Now, that being said, I know earlier I said we have to capture the moment to prove that it existed. But uh, if you know me and my podcast, I like to ask questions that sound similar, but I'm trying to draw out a different response. So that being said, everything that I said before, we can't say again. So you have to find a different response for it. Uh, what do you feel is the purpose of street photography? That's a very good question. Street photography is finding the beauty in a real unput together situation. It's finding the things that speak to you. It's finding the, the little moments that happen. And it's showing things in a way that is real, unscripted, as people just go about their life. Mm-hmm. And reminding ourselves through those sorts of accounts and books and stuff 
the, the little moments are just as cool and just as powerful as the big moments. I hope I, I'm I'm I was gonna ask if you if that was it. I hope I I'm not trying to stop you because I know it was a a tough question. And, no, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to get that much. <laughs> uh, no worries. Uh, I still got some more tough questions for you. But uh, what would you say is your most memorable moment of making street photos? Most memorable moment. The day that I, okay, off the top of my head, the day that I took that rough photo that you were just looking at, um, as I was taking that photo, I was approached by this man in his late 60s, early 70s. And first of all, the, the guy, like in, in a nice way, but the guy was completely out of his mind. He was an artist from Switzerland. And, um, he started talking to me about his art. He, um, he paints um, images on silk. And it became very apparent to me a lot of times when I take my camera out that people want to come up to you and start conversations with you, which I think is really cool. But just hearing about this guy's life story and um, the part of Switzerland that he grew up in, why he came out here, what he does now, because um, this guy, you know, told me everything about how he paints and how he um, fixes uh, like 18th century furniture and how he's a model and just the fact that he was willing to come up to me, talk to me, tell me his life story. Um, that was probably one of the coolest moments. Okay. I've never had that. I guess I've been... Oh, really? Yeah, I've never had someone approach me in, in that way. I, and I've ever only had one person approach me in a negative way to ask me why I took their photo and ask me to delete it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess it depends on where you live. Uh, Japanese people are, are a little more um, shy or timid, so they not necessarily approach you. Uh, the one I do get is more about the camera I'm using. Is is that a film camera? But, yeah, yes, it is, if you're asking. Uh, anyway, uh, what do you want your photography to accomplish? Whether or not you like it, I want you to understand that, I guess, that's how I looked at things. Okay. Um, I, I'm not much of a talker, so I have found a medium where I can kind of Show myself. It's a way for me to kind of show myself and things that interest me uh, without having to go into great explanations to a lot of people. Hopefully, hopefully, it just showcases me. Okay. 
hopefully we get your work on the walls. Maybe one day, if I think there's anything worth it. Uh, it'll be worth it if you keep shooting it. I like that. So are you, with that being said, are you working on any projects, short-term, long-term, zines, books, magazines, blogs, anything like that? How do you get your work? your work out to the world or is it just strictly Instagram? Uh, Instagram. Um, I, I guess I'm, I guess I use the page more as a, almost a diary for me. Um, even though it is a public page, I do use minimal hashtags, but I do use them. Um, I guess in terms of, projects definitely keep shooting but i'd like to start having i'd like to have like themes if that makes sense like even though i'm, I'm going to shoot whatever captures my mind yeah. uh, like what, what captures me at that moment i'd like to go through a phase where i've got a bit more i guess um continuity on the page so if, if i'm feeling you know for the next couple of months or whatever if i'm feeling cars or if I'm feeling graffiti or something like that, I, I want there to, I kind of want to see how I can go with taking an idea and a theme and I guess working on that. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. All right. So I'd love to do a zine one day though. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, uh, why could you not do a zine one day? That's probably the easiest way, quickest too, and cheapest and affordable way to get um, self-published if you're doing that or if you want to go through like little zines. Super fast, super easy. Um, I got like 43 digital onlys uh, just because the digital versions are so easy to make. I use um, Apple Pages. I got this little template that I created myself. I went to for to college for graphic design, so I I, okay. I don't know. Um, I just I always had like this OCD thing for layout and everything. It may not be you know how people you know in the graphic design world like things, but that's the the beauty of art and creativity. So I, I created my own little layout for my zine and it's the same for all of them, but I just, I changed the photos, but anyway, uh, but going into zines, if it works for you and if it's what you like, exactly. It works for me. Uh, I know people when they do their zines, they go, they take their photos. They'll go to like a photocopy shop and they'll pay the 10 cents per photo and they'll print them all out. And then they'll staple them together themselves and then they just sell them. So I didn't want to go that route because I wanted to get something a little more professionally printed and binded. Uh, however, if I absolutely need to go that route, I will. Mm. It's just a lot of time to do it. I, I knew one female. She does zines every, every month. And she self-publishes them, and she does all the work herself, lots of hours. And I said, "Good on her." Yeah, I don't. Shout out to her. Yeah, she and she's a really good photographer. 
I don't even want to develop my own film, so I'm trying to avoid that entire <laughs> process altogether. But who knows? I'd rather just pay people to do it. I know what you mean. <laughs> Speaking of, have have you ever shot on film before or just digital? Uh, just digital. I'd love to film though. Okay. It's very expensive. Well, I mean, I'd love to at least give it a go. Yeah. I know. It's um, a damn shame that something so cool is dying out like that. It's dying out and the price is going up, which is going to make it die even more. Very sad. And hopefully it comes back cheaper though. So where would you say your favorite location to shoot is? Uh, everybody has start their favorite starting point or just the place they like to go to walk around. Uh, obviously, every day is going to be different. The location will still be the same. The people, the clothes, the lighting, everything about it is going to be different than the previous time. But where is your favorite place? My uh, my mum grew up in a uh, place in the Blue Mountains, probably, what, an hour and a bit, an hour and a half away from me, somewhere around about an hour and a half, two hours away from me. There's this little village called Lura. Okay. And um, that is absolutely beautiful. Uh, I haven't actually posted anything from there yet, but um, it is such a, a really, really nice area because uh, it's actually – uh, all of those little towns going up to where my mum is, um, they're all within a big national park. Okay. And it's, it's one of these like kind of not really disturbed in some ways by the modern world. Like out of all the towns in this whole area, there's only like one McDonald's because there was such a backlash to keep McDonald's out. <laughs> so it's like one of those like old school kind of like little towns um, really awesome place. Okay. Do you go shoot there? So, uh, unfortunately, no. Okay. So I am actually planning a trip in the next couple of weeks up there. Oh, uh, so it's, the from it's, it's so, kind of far. Uh, not super far, but like with my schedule, it's, it's hard to commit to it. it okay. It's only two hours, up, two hours back. Okay. Leave at nine, you're back at about six if you want to be, so. That's not too bad then. Now, if you could shoot anywhere in the world, world being the big picture here, where would that be? I've been thinking about this question a lot too. Uh, off the top of my head, there's a place in Switzerland called Interlaken. Okay. And they have some phenomenal scenery there, as well as their little village. All right. Switzerland. Uh, I think that's the first time anyone that I've spoken to has mentioned Switzerland. Me, I want to shoot everywhere. Hold on, let me rephrase that. I don't want to shoot everywhere, everywhere. There's a lot of places I don't want to go. But for the most part, uh, I would put it on a scale. If it's safe enough to walk without having to look over your shoulder or look up in the sky because something's going to fall and and blow up on you. I don't want to go there. Um, So uh, I kind of just want to shoot everywhere within reason, I guess, where I don't have to worry about 
someone approaching me and saying, you can't take pictures of that. You're going to jail. Make sense? I hope so. Um, but that can happen anywhere because in Germany, you, you got to be careful when you're out taking photos. Their photography laws are strict. And same with Spain. Uh, I had a guest in the group chat. His name was Diego. Um, you probably heard him. That's the one Don Stevie gave his Leica to. Very real, real good story. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. We were talking, and he said he was out taking photos, and he took a picture of a dog, but the owner got upset, and there was a like, yeah. So, uh, you just gotta be careful with photography laws That's and all that other cool. stuff. Um, but. For me, I guess right now, my number one place where I want to shoot is Bangkok, Thailand. I've been there, but I've never done street photography there. And then number two would be some nicely populated city in Vietnam, either Saigon or Ho Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, I think that's the one. Ho Chi Minh City, yep. Yep. Those are my top two destinations. That would be amazing. Uh, I do well, want to... If I can give a second one... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if, if, I'm a, if I'm also allowed a second one, in 2015, I went to uh, Kerala in India. Okay. That place would be really awesome for me to take my camera back and, um, and uh, yeah, do some photography there. A revisit? Actually, I, I saw a really funny uh, it wasn't funny it was actually quite sad but um i, I saw this uh, thing happen in the airport where there was a um a japanese university professor mm-hmm. and he was on holiday over there and he bought a he bought a really expensive camera i think it was about a i think he said he paid about ten thousand american for it yeah and they weren't going to let him take the camera with him because it had a hard built-in lithium-ion battery so his, uh, his only option, the poor guy, was you either give it to us and we destroy it or we hold you because you're not you're not leaving the country. We'll forcibly take it off you and destroy it. <laughs> so poor guy, 10 grand down the drain. Yeah. Oh, wow. So now I know if I ever go to India, I'm not taking a camera. <laughs> or if I do it. Don't take any camera that's got a, got a hard built-in lithium-ion battery. Yeah, I'm not doing so that. It'll be a very expensive mistake. Yep. We got it. Uh, thanks for that. I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't know that was a thing, but it is now. Uh, so don't lose your $10,000 cameras, world. Yeah. I do want to go to Australia. There's a place, I, that's a place, and I'm not going to lie, it's kind of because I want to see a kangaroo. I can go to a zoo to see a kangaroo. Uh, and I know it, it may sound ignorant or whatever but it's not meant to purposely sound ignorant i just naturally always wanted to see a kangaroo in its natural habitat only i can show you ones in the wild yeah 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 and so you'll probably think i'm crazy but it was it the interest was sparked in my brain when i saw this photo of a kangaroo that looked like he was on like steroids and was uh, on a cover of a bodybuilder magazine I know that photo, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I know that photo. That photo, I was, like, every, when you're young, you know what a kangaroo is. But when I saw that photo, I was like, I need to see that for real. Obviously, everybody knows I'm a city person. So if I do, it'll probably be Sydney, Melbourne, one of those nice 
populated cities where it's away from uh, scorpions and all kinds of... Because I hear Australia is kind of like the devil when it comes to creatures and shit. So uh, I don't... Yeah, me? No thanks. Yeah, we've, we've got something like 18 of the 20th, uh, of the 20 deadliest um, snakes, I think it is. And yeah. That being said, I'm 34 and I've only ever seen a snake in the wild like twice. Yeah. But mine and your luck is a lot different. And I'll come out of the airport and all 18 of those snakes will just somehow be right in front of the door waiting for me to walk out. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm good. I still would like to go, um, but I'm going to make sure I have someone in front of me with the flamethrower just in case there's <laughs> any kind of creatures that can kill me, potentially. Uh, all jokes, of course. All jokes, of course. It'd still be cool to see. I do want to see the, the big fucking kangaroo. Anyway, back to photography. They're pretty massive. Yeah. Do they fight people for real? Like, Fist fights. Um, I've seen videos. There's actually videos. Uh, they're a bit they're standoffish, mm-hmm. but we actually have a video that um, went viral here a couple of years ago where um, this kangaroo was holding on to this guy's dog by, um, I think, the collar, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't let go of the dog, so the guy actually goes and punches the kangaroo. Yeah. I, and I, he, that's he the one I was talking about. He, he looks a bit stunned and then he just, uh, he hops off. But um, no, they're, they're not really known to fight people. Okay. So the boxing is is a myth. Uh, look, I think some crazy things probably happened in the 20s. I, I'm, oh. I'm sure you could probably train one to box a human. So the, the funny thing is, though, their, their arms are really not that long. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's the legs that you need to be worried about. Oh, do they do that? They do. Fuck. They yeah. do. No, thank you. But if you can get around it and lift the tail up, they can't jump without the tail being on the ground. Okay, see, now I'm educated. Grab the tail. Got it, got it, got it. There's your Steve Irwin fact of the day. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, that's the end of the kangaroo tangent now. Um, great conversation, though. But if you can go back to day one when you decided you wanted to become a photographer, back to that day when you were walking with your family and that camera you got to make videos with, uh, let's take you back to that day. What advice would you give yourself? Probably not try to learn it all at once. Um Watch a five-minute video on Aperture, ISO, and um, shutter speed. Mm-hmm. Read, your, read your camera manual about how to access those things, and then just go and play, play with it. Yeah. I'm going to give you some advice. I'm trying to think the best way to do it. Forget your camera menu. Learn aperture, shutter speed, ISO. Forget everything else. Uh, I've shot every different camera brand out there. Not everyone. Almost every camera brand out there. And 
the menus, obviously they're there for a reason, but the point is to make a photo, right? So you could have the world's greatest autofocus, world's fastest autofocus. You typically don't need that. If you go think about Joel Meyerowitz, Henry Cartier-Bresson, all the greats in the past that started way, way, way in the film age, they didn't have autofocus, right? Mm. Three things. Aperture, ISO, shutter speed. Work those three. Obviously, you'll need to dig in your menu set. Your, yeah, that's right. Menu, your menu settings. Still sounds wrong. Anyways, you need to go in there eventually to find something to make the color. I don't know, whatever it may be. That's fine. But don't invest a lot of time to perfect all of that stuff. When I was shooting with Fujifilm, I say Fujifilm because before I got into Leica, I shot Fujifilm the longest. And if it wasn't for Leica, I'd still probably be shooting with Fujifilm. I, I love it. Actually, I was looking through some old photos and I, I was looking at them and I was like, man, I really want to buy a Fujifilm camera again. I'm not, but I really considered it. And it was because this one photo I took of my daughter was this. One of the newer film simulations they introduced with the X Pro Three, uh, and just the way it comes, oh, it's it's beautiful. I'm not gonna, and I don't shoot color. I only shoot color when I'm taking pictures of my daughter, or if it's a business that um, a business shoot that I get paid to do, and they specifically request color. But uh, I was trying to be that menu guy when I first got into Fujifilm and I couldn't fucking navigate that shit for anything. And and then I just realized I don't need it. So um, don't waste your time too much. You know, it's good to know where your format memory card button is because I know on Sony it's fucking hidden. It'd take you like three hours to find it. Uh, and just focus on, you know... you. Do some quick function. Every, everything now is all... You can customize everything on the camera. Where you have quick access to your ISO. Uh, I don't shoot auto ISO often, but when I do, that's the only automated feature I use. Just because when I'm out shooting, uh, the lighting conditions can change at any given moment. But for the most part, if I know I'm going to be outside and it's fairly open, I set my ISO... Um, I said it manually. And all you really got to do is just focus on making photo and setting those three settings to get there. Don't worry, mm. about, don't worry about the menus. So that's the only advice that I would give on that. Um, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Because any camera you shoot is going to have aperture, ISO, shutter speed. Mm. So, yeah. All right. Any other advice you would like to give yourself? I'm sorry, I kind of hijacked your advice to yourself moment. I'll tell you what I'm glad I did is um, I watched a lot of um, in the lead up to buying the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been fascinated by like uh, interviews with um, photographers and all that. One thing I'm glad I decided to uh, to do from day one is I had watched a lot of uh, interviews with uh, with photographers and a lot of uh, film photographers, and I made I decided to make a conscious choice from day one 
if I'm going to learn this and I'm going to learn how to put a, a good photo together, I'm going to treat my camera as though it's a film camera. Okay. So I'm not going to do the spray and pray. I'm not going to do 50 shots of anything. I'm going to pretend you've only got two shots left in your camera. Set this, set this photo up. Try to make it um, be the best it can be. So that's, that's something I'm glad I decided to do. Okay. That's actually a, a really unique approach. I've never shot a digital camera in, in such a way. And uh, I do now only because I shoot film and digital that I don't want to get confused when I'm shooting film and thinking like it's a digital. Like, obviously, you know, it's not a digital, but, you know, just constantly switching back. So I always kind of similar now to like you're saying, I shoot my digital camera just like it's a film camera. So um, same, very similar settings. And I only use those three. I don't worry about menus, like I said. So my aperture is always in the same in the same um, aperture setting. Obviously, I know I got to move it if I need more light. Um, but I don't like to go over a thousand of a second, right? Because mm. my my film cameras they don't go that they won't go past a thousand. So I'll typically shoot the Sony sixteen rule even on digital. So my ISO is always at 400. That's Those are my favorite settings. And, and I know how to adjust when I need to. But for me, standard, when I leave my house, it's... Do you know the Sunny 16? A lot of people are really confused by it. I think I do. Okay. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you don't, um, you can watch YouTube or you can reach out and I can explain it a little more. Uh, but even when I shoot my digital, I shoot it in the same Sunny 16 rule. So 400, 500. Right. Shutter speed and f11 to f8 on my eye, my aperture, and I get really okay. good results. So, yeah. Now is a part of the podcast where I would like for you to recognize an up and coming photographer who you feel does not get done enough recognition. Could be anybody, musician. I said photographer. Artist is the more correct term I should have said. Uh, but yeah, so an up-and-coming artist you feel doesn't get enough recognition they deserve. Musician, photographer, uh, personal trainer, whoever it may be. Oh, gosh. Um Yeah, wow. Uh, in terms of, I guess, my brother Tom is actually, he's a very good um, artist. Okay. Uh, um, make, makes a lot of, uh, I'm trying to think of what style he does. They're hand-drawn, but they're like, so I'm just trying to think of how, how you describe but um, I'll come back to him. That's fine. If you don't remember uh, them, you, you can send me the their names in Instagram. Sometimes I put people on, on the spot with that one and they can't remember off the top of their head. Uh, if you can remember someone, uh, please feel free. I, I don't, I'm not cutting you off by any means. 
Yeah, I might need to get back to you on that one. That's that's fine. Having a bit of a block. <laughs> no worries, no worries at all. Uh, and now, after that one, always ends my lineup of questionings with um, the question Craig Clark asked me early, early in this podcast. What does street photography mean to you? Not the literal term, just what it what it means to you, feelings, emotionally, physically, however you interpret it. That's a very, very good question. Thank you, Kirk photography Clark. to me. I forgot to thank him. I always thank him. So I apologize for interrupting you. Is it Craig or Greg? Craig Clark. Shout out to him. Yeah. Um, street photography to me is it's a fun way to slow down and try to be more aware of your surroundings and see the beauty in things that on the surface there may be no beauty. Um, Dilapidated old buildings, uh, whether it's graffiti, it's slowing down and it's seeing the beauty in things in a non- Scripted setting. Okay. And it's a great it's a great reason if if anybody ever struggles to work out, grab a camera, go somewhere, just start walking. It's a great way to to work out. Also, you'll be surprised how far you go sometimes. Yeah. When I first started exercising many years ago. That was what I started out, just walking for 30 minutes, and then walking became jogging, jogging remained jogging, and then I just started going to the gym. Uh, But yeah, walking is a great way. Now I love walking, and it kind of benefited me, you know, preparing myself to walk so much, because I can spend hours, lots of hours, days almost, just walking with my camera, so... Pick up your camera, go for a walk, you know, uh, you can go outside, see a flower, it's going to look different tomorrow, the day after. If you really like this flower, take a picture of it a hundred times in a hundred different angles. I never thought about that, yeah, go for a walk and even take a photo of that same flower day in and day out and see how it changes. Mm-hmm. Yep, the, the sun, take, take pictures of it at different times a day. You'll never get. I love that. You'll never get the same photo twice. I really want that. Nice. Well, appreciate it. Uh, Again, that's always the last question I ask. But now, if you have any questions for me, please feel free to ask, and I will answer the best I can. I would put the uh, the. Uh, project question back onto you. I'd love to know what you're working on now and what you're, where you hope to to take your photography in the next, even say, five years or so. I'd love to know that. 
Ooh, okay. Uh, so currently, one of my goals was always to have a solo exhibition. Um, so uh, in Okinawa, we're really quite limited to where they showcase photography in galleries. So I'm kind of searching for that. Uh, I think I'm. I found one, and I'm in contact with them. So that's right now my my main project. Uh, other than that, I am trying to do a long-term photo project about Okinawa. And I found out that this was a project I was working on without realizing it when I applied for the Leica, the LHSA photo grant. And I really had to think about what I wanted to do. I didn't want to just submit street photography right because the whole purpose of the grant is photojournalism and i was like man what kind of project can i do so it took me a long time thinking i was thinking i was thinking and then i was like i'll think about it later and i was going through my lightroom library and i saw a photo and i was like okay that's a good photo and then i saw another photo and i was like oh there's another one and I started putting all the puzzle pieces together and I realized that all of these photos I've been taking actually are building a body of work. I've lived in Okinawa for nine years now and I've started, this is where I started photography. So it's kind of like very sentimental for my photography journey and documenting from 2010 to now that's my body of work. It's super long term. And I didn't realize it then, but, you know, uh, I was doing street photography before I even knew what street photography was. And there's a lot of old photos I really like that, you know, especially now with the whole COVID, I, I don't have the opportunity to take those in that same way. So I was glad I got those, those moments when I did and, um, Right now, I'm just trying to put, I have enough photos to put something out, but I, I want to sequence it right. And I, I kind of want to do more. I don't want to leave it where it's at, you know, um, because I want it to be a good book. I, I, I do want to make it a book. Um, so I'm working on that. That's my long-term project. That's awesome. Yeah. Let us know when that gets released. I'll definitely buy one. Oh, thank you. Uh, I it probably like won't. Awesome it probably be in 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 a year or so, depending on if I get selected for that photo grant. If I do, then it'll be out in a year. I think they're doing it September. They're gonna release the winners. Uh, but shout out to John Hendrick and James Mulverly. I'm sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong. Uh, all three of us signed up for it, and um, they're also great photographers as well. A lot of people didn't know it was limited um, entries. So the chances are better than if it was uh, open and anybody like millions of people can submit. But yeah, that's the project I'm working on. Best of luck with it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anything else? Look forward to hearing the news. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I don't get it, uh, you, you, 
I won't announce it. I I won't be mad. I I would like to get it, but if I don't, um, yeah, I'm still gonna keep working on the project. They'll just now I could work at it at a slower pace. Mm. Yeah, because uh, if if you do get selected, you have a year to to finish the project, I believe, or I, I, a year to submit some kind of work. Okay. You, have you ever submitted for something like that? Sorry? Have you ever submitted for anything like that along those lines? I've never submitted for anything. Okay. Start. Websites. Yeah. There's a few different um, online contest competitions, and like they have them every month. Every month's different. And win some pretty cool stuff. I don't know why I haven't done it. I just I'm not interested, honestly. Which is kind of weird that I would tell you to do it that I and I don't. So I guess now I guess now I have to, right? Gotta lead by example. I said that earlier. Shit. Oh fuck. All right. You shot yourself in the foot with that one. Yeah. It's all right. You know what? I'm I'm open to the challenge. Um I'll do it. I'll do it. Any other questions for me? I I'm not cutting you off. I'm not put trying to put a time limit on. I'm just asking if you have any more questions. Not off the top of my head. I'm I'm sure probably in about twenty minutes I'll probably have about twenty questions for you. But um, no, I think that's uh, it for the. Uh, for the right, we, we broke up a little there, but um, yeah, it was a a great great conversation. Thank you for being a part of the show. I do appreciate it. Uh, this one was a little, like I said. Most times I speak to people that kind of have a lot of years of photography experience. We build off of that. So this is the first time for me where I've actually spoke with someone who's relatively new to photography. And I've said this on all of my podcasts. It doesn't matter your level of photography. Photography is photography. The conversation about photography is a conversation about photography. So uh, thank you for taking the time and, and doing this recording with me. I do appreciate it. Um, thank you very much for having me. I've, um, I've loved the podcast since I first uh, found it, and um, I'm honored to be on it. So yeah, thank I, you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, I do host the little group chats uh, whenever I have a weekend open and I'm not doing any travels. Uh, like I said, I'll be traveling in the next couple of weeks. I won't. It'll be in when I come back if I do have a group. But you're more than welcome to come back. Uh, you can come back anytime. We can record another episode, uh, whatever it may be. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah. So, uh, thanks again for taking the time out, and thanks to the listeners who uh, support the guests and support me by listening and allowing me to continue making these. So thank you to everybody. Thank you to the listeners. Oh. Uh, like a street photography collective. And we'll end on Spanish. Oiga, disculpe. ¿Esta es una laica? Like a street photography collective. Like a street photography collective.